So, right. hey, folks, um, this is me and Ricky. We're kind of just talking a, a little interlude here. Um, today, the podcast been getting really busy lately, and we like that. We're interviewing a bunch of people. We're hoping y'all are going to like them all. We're going to try to do a podcast a week. Sometimes it will. Sometimes it'll be two a week. Sometimes it might be a week in between. But we appreciate all the support. I've already had a bunch of uh, people reaching out and telling me they like it so far. I don't know if they're being nice or if they really like it. But either way, yeah, no, we're I'm getting the same thing. Yeah, we're enjoying it. We're we're getting a bunch of uh, a good support, and so we're gonna kind of try to keep rolling. We both have busy lives, but if we make this uh, a priority, you know, behind our kids, I think it'll be very successful. Today we have a legend around Northeast Florida. Well, Nassau County, where I live, Duval Clay doesn't matter. Um, if you've needed a blood dog before, this is your man. He's we're very lucky that he was willing to come on and talk to us. Actually, Ricky did the leg work leg work on this one. But y'all are really going to enjoy this episode. I know me and Ricky, it's definitely our favorite so far. Um, the, the knowledge that this guy has in his head, we probably didn't even pull a tenth of it out. But we were fortunate and grateful that he was gracious enough to give us his time. So it's not often we get to talk to a legend like this. So I think I speak on myself and Ricky's behalf and saying, this guy's awesome. And we, uh, we really appreciate it and we're excited about it. So y'all enjoy the show. Yep. Enjoy the show, guys. I'm Justin Bullard. And I'm Ricky Bullard. And we are definitely from the woods. Okay, folks, this is Justin Bullard uh, from the Woods podcast, along with Ricky Bullard. Say hello. How's it going, everybody? There he is. And today we have a special guest. He is a bit of a local legend uh, in the blood trailing world. Matter of fact, he's the best I've ever heard of or seen. Um, he has an awesome uh, trail dog, and he's going to talk to us today about the do's and don'ts and hopefully some cool stories about trailing uh, critters, mostly deer, but we're going to get into that as well. Mr. Ralph Bennett from Camo Hunt, I believe. Mr. Yeah, Ralph, how are you today? I'm doing fine. Well, first, I'm great, and thank you so much for coming on doing this with us. Um, we really appreciate it, you helping us out the podcast, and hopefully some people will learn some stuff today. Yes, sir. So basically, just start by, well, first of all, we all know your name around, around my parts, um, around North Florida. Um, Mr. Ralph's been notorious for having this little bitty dog <laughs> that can find anything, uh, mostly. Um, give us an introduction of, you know, where you grew up, you're hunting, and, you know, tell us who you are. Well, uh, I'm Ralph Bennett. Uh, I live in Jacksonville, and uh, my office is out in Callahan, so I get the track out in Nassau County a ton, but uh, started blood trailing about seven years ago, and uh, pretty much that's about all we do during hunting season. Uh, hunting, I do a little bit, but the passion is in the tracking, and I love it, so we spend most of our weekends and nights out helping people find their wounded deer. Yes, sir. Yeah, um, do, do you hunt? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. Not okay. as much as I used to. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because it seems like every time I'm on that, looking on the blood trailing network, you guys are heading to another track, especially on the weekends. <laughs> yeah, I sit in a tree stand and wait for a call to come in. So that's about my hunt. <laughs> Have you hunted your whole life or? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, going with my dad and 
then when I got older, going, you know, just a lot of bow hunting, but I have a hearing problem. So I had to pick up bow hunting in order to hunt. I wasn't allowed to be around guns when I was a kid. So really had a passion for the bow hunting end of things. Bow hunting is definitely addictive and, uh, and you, you're definitely become a better woodsman by sticking to the bow. Um, when did you, when did you um, harvest your first animal with a bow? Uh, would have been my uh, senior year in high school. Oh, okay. Where was that at? And what uh, was it? Uh, it was just a doe up in uh, South Georgia. Man, I love those. I, I am an equal opportunity harvester. I assure you that in bow season, I just like, I like killing deer with a bow. Um, have you ever dog hunted or what? I, you okay. must be a houndsman. Oh yeah, that's how I started with my dad was hunting uh, when when I was a kid. Uh, like I said, with the hearing problem, we couldn't deer hunt a lot. So me and my dad, or he took up fox and cat hunting so I could hunt with him. So he uh, was a well-known fox and cat hunter from these parts. So I grew up doing that and then got into the deer hunting with a friend of mine. And that's that. That was probably a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> get your get your kids into uh, hunting, people. They won't be able to afford drugs. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, There's a lot of a lot of tradition with the fox hunting too, from what I hear. Just that in itself. Oh yeah, and yeah. So that that taught me the dog into things. Uh, you know, dog trailing. We always. I grew up liking the tracking and the, uh, you know fox and cats so when i got over into this it was easy to to want a dog that i could stay with and you know be a, close in sync with the dog versus just turning them out and casting them yes right. sir. isn't there some fox pens nearby i thought i heard of one in, up in uh, south georgia st george area yeah there's one up there in st george are they still yeah. are they still running or as far as i know i've been out of it for a little while but i'm pretty i'm pretty sure they still still running it they lease them out now oh okay ricky have you heard of um, any over there uh fox pens yeah all the ones i've heard about you know fox and coyote pens have been up in georgia i don't uh, know what the regulations think, are as far as different states for what yeah i think they closed them in florida yeah, just, oh, okay. like, just like the bear season. That's terrible. Uh, folks, we might have folks listening from all over the country. Florida has a lot of bears, and they opened a season about five years ago, and it was a it, they gave out a certain amount of tags, and I think the tags were filled in, what, a day and a half, Ricky? Um, second morning. They stopped the second morning. <laughs> man, folks, man. And then the granola crunchers went to Tallahassee and stopped the season, but we really need a bear season back. I, I had to put that PSA in there because it bothers me. <laughs> um. So, Mr. Ralph, you had to get into this trailing thing somehow. So did you just have a good dog all of a sudden you realized that he would trail a deer or you trailed for a buddy or you had to, something had to click in your head and say, man, I want to do that. Well, I first started, we hunt up in Illinois um, every year. And I, from, from going up there, I got into the notion that one day I'm going to need one on a big buck and so I started about 15, 15 years ago looking to get into getting, just getting a dog for my own personal uh, benefit. And so 
so I started reading and, you know, through life, I just never did it, but always had that passion. And then, uh, through the investigating and reading up on it, these German wire-haired Dotsons just started surfacing. I always wanted a small dog. So there's a lot of things you, you know, that each person has to go over in their own life to figure out what'll suit them. And I always wanted a small dog just so I could travel and it wasn't a burden to the family because I always wanted it to be inside. So these dogs just, as far as their nose, you know, they're, they're right at the top of the, the uh, scent dogs. And so I just finally just bit the bullet one year and bought, bought a puppy uh, from Vaughn Mountain Creek up in North Georgia and it started the first year. I was just tracking, you know, mine and my friends. But once that started, I could tell that was where it was at. I enjoyed the heck out of it. And it's, I think we killed or found four deer the first year, the first four she ever went after we found and started just really enjoying the, the experience of doing it. And like now we go, last year we went on 160 tracks, so. Wow. It, it really, as my wife would say, I'm obsessed. <laughs> well, I bet you, you know what, though? I bet your customers, I know I would definitely, um, appre we appreciate the fact that you're obsessed with it because I think we've all called trail dogs in the world and somebody shows up with a, you know, Rottweiler that don't know what he's doing. And it, we, we, as a customer, uh, appreciate when somebody has the passion that you have about it. Yeah, and I got in probably one of the best things I did was get getting involved with the Florida blood trailing network. And that is a uh, organization that all over the state and with me being involved with it now, I'm actually, I, I run the, the tracking list for the state uh, in Florida and Georgia. And that is a resource that, you know, around here, everybody knows me, but you know, we got the whole state to deal with. So there's certain uh, people in every county that uh, you just go to the blood trailing network and you've got resources and we're working towards getting, you know, the people that want to be trackers. We uh, try to get it, try to put out proven dogs and proven teams, not just anybody that wants to track. We try to bring them through a mentorship program to, try to make sure when somebody calls, they've got a good team going to them. So all of those resources helps everybody and helps each individual. It helps me every day, you know, going through, because we talk about tracks and hear about tracks and get calls about tracks every day. So it, it definitely, you know, the end result, it helps the hunters because now it's, uh, we hope from our end that, they don't go out looking for their deer as much as they used to. <laughs> you talked about earlier about, you know, learning the woods and well, after being in the tracking world, now my hunting or once you shoot a deer, my whole thought press process changes. 
because we experience so many things in the woods after the shot that most hunters just never deal with. And we deal with them on such a, um, a volume that, you know, a, a hunter in his lifetime will never experience that many tracks. You know, like I, like I said, I went on 160. Well, a hunter's not going to typically do that. He'll never see. Never. So, and we never get, we never get to see the good stuff. It's always bad when we go. It's something yeah. went wrong. And so we get to see, you know, deer getting pushed, uh, you know, and when you're dealing like up here in North Florida, we're not dealing with tens of thousands of acres. You're, you're dealing with guys on a 20, 50 acre track and you better not push him. And so there's a lot of things that based on where you're at, you've got to uh, deal with you know, like on a phone conversation before we ever get to the track and just try to figure things out based on the situation. So with all that, it just, I love that strategy. Every single track is different. So every opportunity is different and it's, it's fun. It's just, I don't know. It's just a passion. It, it's gotten to where that's about all we think about. Well, I tell you that 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 Florida, what you say, the Florida tracking Florida, network, Florida blood trailing network. How does someone? Well, we're going to get into a lot of cool things that I already you already hit on. First of all, how does someone find that when they're in the woods, uh, stressing out, sweating with a headlamp on? I mean, can is there a website they can go to? Uh, well, it's it's on Facebook, so it's the Florida Blood Trailing Network, and okay. you just request to join. And you'll have to answer a few questions, but you'll get on there. And then when they do that, there's a, it should be the first post you see, they'll have the tracking list and you'll have to click on it and then it'll bring up every county in the state. And the, the best thing to do is just take a screenshot of your county that you hunt in. And it's always good to call a, call the people or call somebody and, you know, like, for instance, if somebody's in Nassau County or up in Northeast Florida, you know, there's a few up there that, depending on where you're at, just call call and talk to the guys and let them know who you are so you're not a, a stranger when you call. And we'll, we'll plug in our phones. And that way, if something goes wrong first part of hunting season, you don't even have to worry about it. You just click and go. I see. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you a little quick story, folks. Uh, last year, I, I shot my biggest buck in Florida. We already talked about that in a previous episode, but I, the bullet I was using in my son and my 243, I have since stopped, you know, fool me once, shame on, on you. But anyway, this deer, biggest deer ever shot, I hunted him all year, not a drop of blood. And I called Mr. Ralph, and unfortunately, he was what, North Georgia or something, picking up a puppy or something. He couldn't come, but. Boy, I wish I could use the girl I ended up getting. We found the deer, but it was very, very stressful. So like he's saying, if you can go to that list and it, these guys are proven, probably vetted by Mr. Ralph himself. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I had to use Mr. Ralph, uh, I think it was two years ago. Yeah. That, that track I called you on, but I know I had some things I wanted to ask you about, about that because, you know, when we were looking for that buck, we found, uh, some major deer crossings back there that I had never, you know, I scouted that whole area, but I'd just never seen that before. And I'm sure you come across some incredible spots trailing this deer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, 
I just remember thinking, man, I was marking stuff on my GPS while we're trailing this buck. <laughs> I forgot, <laughs> I forgot about the pain of messing up the shot for a second, but, um, so the, the track, the actual scent, the dog is tracking. It's not the blood, correct? It's a different scent. Correct. It, you know, in the beginning, we train them on the, on blood just to get their enthusiasm going. But you wean them off of that. And what, what we're going after is the pheromone scent, which is in between the deer's hoofs. It's a little gland that excretes uh, the pheromone scent. And when the deer's injured, that, that's activated. So on the flip side, I can have a lot of blood with no pheromone scent, and the dog typically will not take it. So they're, they're trained on the pheromone scent. If you just train on the blood and you run out of blood, just like yours did, then you're up the creek. So right. you've got, in our opinion, you, you've got to have that pheromone scent present. It, also, it tells you whether the deer's fatally wounded or not. So you, you're not out there, because I've had deer bleed for miles. And that doesn't mean we stop because there's always opportunities. Like with my dog, she does so many different things that tells you what's going on. We don't just typically stop if I see her, uh, what would you call it? Her intentness. Uh, Intensity. Yeah, it, it'll slow down or she'll start hunting harder. Um you just got to figure all that stuff out. But a lot of times, you know, we can keep pressing and sometimes you might see the deer bedded up or because the deer can be hurt, but not going to die. You know, say a leg shot, it's not going to die. It, it could, but it can bleed like crazy. Mm, tough and, uh, we, you know, we keep pressing, but it she'll, you know, good dog will tell you what's going on and it'll get you alerted whether to get ready to shoot or, um, like her this year or this past year, she started coming back and getting me when a deer would be alive. She would come back and alert me and come back and run back in. And so ooh, that's worth a million dollars because it lets you get that split second to get a gun ready or get a bow ready or something. Right. And it's awesome. It's, you know, so it, it's fast thinking sometimes. That goes back to the intimate relationship with your dog and, and, and someone who just does it occasionally wouldn't understand their dog as much as you understand yours. And, that, and that's what we're going on is, is use these professionals, people, man, they, they, they know what they're doing. They know their dogs. They can read their dog's body language. Uh, I know I've seen it on multiple occasions, man. Yeah. And it oh, yeah. changes. Uh, she started doing what I was just talking about at, at about the 350 track, uh, mark on her she's been on over 400 tracks and at about 350 she started coming and getting me so that just means you got to put a lot of tracks under your dog and your dog's changing all the time so yeah you have got to be aware or in my opinion you got to be aware of all your dog's actions because every little move is telling you something and so we I enjoy it. That's where I enjoy the small dogs because you can stay on them a lot better and stay up with them a little better. 
And so you get to see all of that. Yeah. I, I have a, her, uh, go ahead, Ricky. I was going to say, talking about her size, I had seen her on, on the blood trailing network, you know, you guys finding deer all the time, but you know, you get there and the dog is, you know, pretty, it's a pretty small breed. Um, and you're wondering how she's going to get through stuff, but it, I mean, it makes sense. She's not much bigger than, you know, a big swamp rabbit. So <laughs> she was making it through that tall grass really, really well. Oh yeah, she can she can make it through some things better than big dogs because she's a good one under everything. And you think you can keep up with them? Impossible. <laughs> yeah. Just... And then uh, there was that one point I remember you t telling me about it. She, you know, you were watching her on the GPS and she stopped and started hunting harder, doing little circles, I guess. And, and you said, I think if I remember right, you said you thought he he calmed down and she lost that pheromone scent. Is that Correct. is that accurate? Yeah. Yep. It, and that can happen during a track. Sometimes the deer I've pulled up and, you know, see the blood, be excited to see the type of blood, the amount of blood. And she walk up to the trail and just do nothing. And my heart just sinks because I know what it's telling me. She, that deer is not, the, act, the pheromone sense not activated. And I'm like, holy crap. And guys that know me, they look at me and go, the deer ain't dead, is it? And I'm like, nope, deer's that's, not dead. And that's deflating. And it's not even my deer. And I'm thinking right now how deflating that is. <laughs> oh, yeah. And <laughs> now that's, we would love to recover everything, but it just doesn't happen. And uh, knowing your dog can really tell you and save you a lot of time because sometimes we, you know, we're six, seven, eight tracks stacked up in a day. That's a, and that many, that's a 18, 20 hour day, you know, so you can save an hour. It helps. So your dog can really, if you pay attention, they can, they can get you gone and on to the next one. Speaking of small dogs, Ricky, did what we went to Rock Island County, Illinois one time for an outfitter. Didn't the guy named Bo owns a place. He had a little tiny dog like that, that did all his blood trails said she was best one in the state. A little, my dashing or I don't know one of them. I dogs. think it was the same breed. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she was. Come the same to breed. that just hit my head right now. That holy crap, man! And you you look at this dog on a 20 foot pink leash because in Illinois you gotta have a leash, I suppose. And right. you're like, this dog ain't gonna find nothing. She found every deer, <laughs> all of them. Yeah. yeah, there's a another guy, uh, Damon Bungard. I don't know if you ever heard of him, Ralph. Yeah, the, his He's, dog is the brother to Camo. Awesome. Oh, okay, wow. I knew it was the same breed. I just didn't know yep. they were that. Yeah, they're litter mates. <laughs> yep. So I know what I'm buying now. <laughs> yeah. What does a dog like yeah, that Ralph. run? Uh, it depends on the breeder, but like mine camo was 2,500 and I just got a new puppy and she was 35, but I'd pay it in a heartbeat. It's, That's right. When you got a lifelong companion <laughs> or a best buddy like that, that'll also find deer. And just tremendous, forget the trailing, they're tremendous companion dogs. Just unbelievable. My wife has already fell in love with the puppy, so she's she'd rather me not even take her because she don't want <laughs> nothing to happen to her. My wife's got a daggone Frenchie. And he, <laughs> you know what? He wants to trail, though. We go out in the woods, he does better than my big dog. But I was like, man, you are too expensive, and my wife loves you too much to put you in these ways. He's a white Frenchie. I was like, a rattlesnake or a coyote or something would love you. He ain't going out there with me. So I need me a companion to go with me riding a truck, you know? Yeah, they're good. Um, yeah. Ricky, I'm going to start with a question. Um, 
That's a two-part question, Mr. Ralph. When someone calls you, you pick the phone up and they say, help, what is the first thing you ask them? And then once you expand on that for however long you need to, what is the number one thing that makes you go, oh, no? <laughs> um, on, on the, the phone. phone. I'm not talking about when you get there. I'm talking about when they first call you on the phone. Um, well, first, we, you have a phone conversation with them, obviously, and you're trying to find out uh, where they think the hit was. Uh, you know, the entrance area, which way the deer was facing, whether it's forward, uh, you know, to you, away, how far, because angles have a, you know, can come into play. If it's right under you, that's like your deer was, Ricky. Uh, yeah. Right under you versus 30 yards out, you know, there's different exit when, uh, paths that the arrow or the bullet would take. So you're just trying to figure everything out um you know it for instance uh say a liver shot uh you know if it's broadside it could go straight through it and no no guts if it's quartering to or from you're most likely getting guts if you're that far back and so the wait times is is why we're asking all these questions because we're trying to figure out uh, if we need to wait and there again, you know, we're stacked up five, six calls. Sometimes we have to shift them around, uh, and throw somebody in and go to them second based off of what they tell us. And so we just, we're trying to find out how, where the deer was hit at, uh, what was used, whether it was a crossbow bow, uh, rifle obviously and we're all of the questions are so we can determine when we need to go uh, if we like me if i hit guts or if i find out that you've hit guts it's typically six to eight hour minimum weight um that's just a standard weight because i've jumped them at 24 hours and still not be dead. So the, those are just minimum times. And so we're trying, you know, like livers, five hours, six hours. Um, and also, you know, different dogs like mine, I, I'm not catching. So, uh, or I can't catch. So I'm having to use different strategies than other dogs do. And ours, she does very well with the strategy part, but we're, trying to you know like for instance if somebody says you know i've got bright red blood this kind of goes into your second question you know that's one of the bright red blood they think it's just wonderful i despise mm. bright blood that's muscle blood and mm. but on the flip side you got to kind of take everything with a grain of salt because i would say a lot of times like me saying good blood uh their good blood and my good blood is two totally different things. Typically, sometimes it's the same, but, you know, they think the quantity of blood is, is of great importance. I'd rather have a little bit of a good blood than a whole lot of bad blood. And because the amount of blood is, it's the type of blood where I'm looking for a dark. That's, that's always the preference. So we're just trying to get to all that.
in, in the phone conversation, but it doesn't dictate whether to go. I just, you just trying to figure out when you need to go is more than more of the reason. Uh, going to your second question, probably the worst thing we, we like hearing is the, I found bone. Oh, I was going to ask about that. It is typically in my experience and I know there's bones all through the body and I'm sure there's some room for error in my answer, but that's typically a leg shot. If you, so they can say what they want. When I hear bone, you're dealing with a leg shot and uh, the other is the, we've knocked the deer fell over and started, you know, flailing around and got up and took off. Uh, that's typically what we call a back whack. And that's not good. Those are probably the hardest to find if you ever even find them. I'm so glad you said that. Uh, I tell people all the time, okay, me, myself and Ricky here and our other friend, Matt, not to pat ourselves on the back, but we're really good at blood trailing, tracking, you know, wounded deer, not near as good as a dog can be, but we really love it too. Um, and we'll get down on our hands and knees and dig through needles, you know, but two things people always tell me, and I'm so glad you just, you said that because two things always tell me, Oh, I got bone. I'm like, Oh no. Does it look like pieces of PVC? You know, is it look like little shards of, and they're like, yeah, Oh boy, guess what? That deer is probably not going to die. Or if it does, it's going to be two days from now or the whacking hit. Like when, I hit him and he dropped in the corner, started kicking and, and crawled off the field. And I actually spoke about it on another podcast earlier. When they get up and go, what I, what I think it is, is the percussion of that bullet hitting them, knocking the wind out of them. Or like you said, they'll dancing off the back or whatever. Rarely do we find those. Um, right. yep. And when, especially those that we're speaking of, I know you're going to get this, but when you get over about 400 yards blood trailing those, and I start to really go, oh, no. Yeah. yeah, it 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 just doesn't. We the success rate is just terrible on on a back whack, and that it's nothing's fatal. It just it stunned them is what it's done. Paralyzed them for a few seconds or maybe minutes. I've done it myself, and uh, and they just never seems to be successful track. I tell people with a rifle, I'm like, listen, bullets are cheap relatively. If that thing's laying there kicking or trying to get up, pop him again. You know what I mean? It just it saved everybody a lot of time. Yep. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. That, um, but those are probably probably the worst things we like to hear. Just because you know, obviously, everybody wants to be successful, which means finding the deer. But uh, the other is you know, I shot it in the neck or just low percentage shots. Those are tough because when you mess up, it's usually in, in muscle uh, and that makes it tougher. Now they're hurting and we sometimes, uh, just like with, with Camo, she's she does so many little different things that you can use strategy to your advantage and you know like we will you know obviously and this is when the deer is not dead she can either silent bay which means she'll go in there and i've had i've walked up on deer sitting there and she'll be she'll be laying five six 
eight feet away from them and just be sitting there looking at them like, I mean, she'll be laid down on her belly and just sitting there like she's on the couch looking at the deer. It's right there, dad. Yeah. And she, unless the deer's confronting her or standing, she's not going to bark. She's going to silent what I call silent bang. And she just sit there. So when we see that on the GPS, you, you got to go in thinking the deer's alive because she could be on the deer, but she also could be sitting there silent baying something. And I've walked in at the beginning of just like me saying she dogs change. She didn't do that right off the bat. She actually got hit with a, a buck gorder and hit her in the side. Luckily the hunter was a vet and he checked her out and she was fine, just bruised. And she went back to trailing that deer, but she got hit with the deer. I heard her yelp in there and it drew some blood on her ribs. Since then, she started silent baying. If the deer's, once again, if the deer's not confronting her standing, she's just going to go in and be quiet. And typically, if a deer runs off, they're not running off from her. That's the other good thing about a small dog, in my opinion, is she's not scaring the deer. They just don't have that fear to them like a big dog would give them. And so she can get in there and sneak up like a cat and get in there and I've had her sit there and look at deer and look over at me and look back and kind of telling me where the deer's at, man, that's fun. And so that's, that, interesting. that's one aspect. The other is she'll, she sometimes she'll circle the deer. And so if I see that happening on the GPS, I know the deer's alive and you better, better be on your toes. And, uh, then this past year she started once if she knows i'm close she's going to come back and get me on a live deer and and that's usually a wounded live deer if it's laying down she'll come back and get me sometimes so that's cool so those strategies can work um you know and you just got to know your dog um uh, go ahead i know you before we get too far away from it um do you, when someone calls you and they don't have blood, I know you, you try to get to every single person that calls you if, if best you can, but if they don't have blood, what, what's your strategy on that? I mean, do you just right. try to tell their confidence or do you, you know, the humans like the blood, the dog could care less. I'll go, I'll go every time. I'm Those, talking about, do you wonder if it's a hit or not? You know what I'm saying? Right. Oh, so you'll go and you'll find out. Okay. I see. You wonder, saying. but in a matter of seconds, I can tell you whether the deer's hit or not. She. The way she acts will tell me, you know, whether the deer's been hit or not. I so, have never heard of that. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I or <clears throat> flip side, sometimes you know the deer or the hunter knows the deer was hit and they think the deer went one way and the deer went 180 degrees the other way. I've definitely seen that multiple times. I've had that multiple know, times. A lot of times. And I just trust the dog. I don't, I listen, but. Uh, if you can bet the end result i'm following the dog so we're yeah. going we're they're a whole lot smarter than we are out there in the woods so we'll circle a hit site and in a matter of minutes i mean i can tell whether they're the hunters correct or not and she's if if it's if that pheromone sense been activated she, she's gonna find them. my little yeah. thing is we don't 
we're going to find the deer. It's just a matter of what condition is it in when we get there. <laughs> is it still running <laughs> 75 miles an hour? But we just, yeah. she's going to pick up on it. And if, if it wasn't hit, she's just going to keep hunting. And I can tell by staying there a few minutes, you know, whether the, her actions kind of tell me that. Hmm. Yeah. I know I called you one night on a track. I shot a beautiful 10 point in Georgia, which makes me sick still, but you weren't available. I used another tracker and she was good, but I had no blood. Um, and you told me that, you know, you told me then that didn't really matter because I, I saw the arrow in this, I saw the fletching in this deer scapula as he was running off. So I knew I hit him, but, uh, yeah, you, you, you were pretty clear. You know, you said that that didn't matter if I saw the arrow, um, but yeah. it it ended up turning out <clears throat> the wrong way for me. But that's all right. the The dogs were on him. He just wasn't. It wasn't dead. Wasn't bleeding. And big bucks are tough, man. Oh yeah. yeah, we've we've gotten to deer and just looking at the entrance wounds. Just go. How in the world can a deer walk two feet and they go a half a mile? Yeah, you shoot me in the chest with a three hundred mag. I'm gonna lay down until you get there. I'm deer, <laughs> man. Especially a big buck. He'll put it in gear and get out of there. Speaking of, what's your longest track job that you've actually recovered an animal? 3.2 miles. Wow. What kind of shot was that? Uh, Do you remember? I believe it was a bow shot. Was that like liver, I'm, I'm assuming? Um, I, there wasn't much – there wasn't any uh, – very very little blood and actually that come from the hunter we didn't i didn't ever get to see the blood he didn't know where the deer had went and when we walked in she picked it up before we ever got to the hit site which was two or three hundred yards away and i could tell by her actions that she picked up the trail while we were walking in there and so the deer had already made it to where we were and we started trailing it and the deer was uh, moving ahead of us and we just kept I could tell the deer was alive by how she was hunting and but we had made a big loop and was headed back to the truck anyway so I'm like well might as well keep going we got to go that way anyway and there were some boys that had held back kind of where we had first put on the deer or where she had found, uh, smelled the deer at. And we were going right back to that spot. And the guys heard the deer and the deer had collapsed about a hundred yards ahead of us. And we made it to it and dispatched the deer. But that was, that was the longest. Do you, do you, um, do you notice any difference in speaking of that long track job, like a big buck versus a doe? Do they do they do different things when they're when they're running dead or when they're wounded? Have you noticed? Uh, yeah, the, the bucks have a little st stronger will to live and to get away. Their survival mode is to me different. Um, uh, is that what you're asking? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I was just. Yeah, I just I've always wondered that, and I think I've I've noticed the same thing you just said. <clears throat> yeah. But on the flip side, those those long ones, they're you don't get many that long because usually the longer it goes, the worse the success rate is, in my opinion. Right. Um, right. 
that one just happened to work out and be a long one, but that usually is not the case. Um, Speaking of that was a, go ahead, Rick. I was going to say, you mentioned that was an archery shot. Most of your tracks are archery, I'm assuming. Uh, the first part of the season. Uh, yeah. After that, um, no, I'd say we get quite a few because you can imagine more people gun hunt than they do bow hunt. Yeah, so that's true. You're, and, you know, you get a better success rate with the gun. You got more people in the woods. So we do it. I think last year it was about half and half um, as far as the amount of tracks. You know, obviously bow season, you're, you're condensing them down to a smaller time frame. You know, so that's why we stay the busiest during track, uh, during both season. I mean, like I said, yeah. it's all day, every day. I swear every year I get on a bad track job or a long track job with somebody new to bow hunting or whatever. Don't really know where they hit them. And I swear that I'm sweating and spotting mosquitoes and ticks. And I'm like, I can't wait for gun season so I can start killing some deer. And I think, you know, it's easy track jobs. And then fast forward come gun season. I'm like, dang gum it <laughs> i'm still trailing them a couple hundred yards through briar patches you know yeah was gonna ask you what's the uh is there any correlation muzzleloader rifle or bow like higher success rate on fines or is it all just up in the air um uh, i think it's up in the air myself okay. but the muzzleloader seasons are the probably the ones that we get the most without the blood because they, oh, really? they don't exit. Huh. So I get makes a, sense. Yeah, that makes sense. A ton of the muzzleloader with no blood. Um, so well, that's what I see mostly. Sorry we keep talking over each other, but both me and Ricky are super interested in what you're saying. And we both got questions we wrote down we want to yeah. ask you. Normally, we don't structure our podcast. We just let it flow. But there's so many things that that's we want to listen to. Um, I'm going to let Ricky ask one because I know he's ready. Yeah, I've been chomping a bit. Uh, so <laughs> I can with tell. the uh, with the bow hunting world right now, the hot topic is you know heavy arrows, fixed blade broadheads, all that. Uh, do you see any correlation to higher success rates with fixed blades, or do you not really pay attention to that part? Uh, the more success to me is with the fixed blades. Yeah, um, and I. I take that into my own personal bow hunting as well because i have been through many different scenarios and my theory got down to uh, i love um, hog hunting and you know you know shooting hogs with the bow and i gear everything around shooting hogs because if if i if you can kill a hog it'll kill a deer that's right and oh, so yeah. i've i went to I quit doing all the, I was wounding too many hogs with the expandable and I went to fixed and that, that just shut down the, 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 the animals running off, you know, as far as percentage wise. Um, but I, when I see it, I'm in tracking. It's, there's no, to me, there's no question. The expandables are either they don't expand, um, uh, but blade shear off yeah i've i've had them well you know or just you know uh, the shafts breaking um i've had know. multiple ferals break 
Um, that's the, you know, I've had bait blades bend, shear off, break. Um, I just like the flight of a daggone fixed blade, but man, there's nothing better for killing than I mean, I'm sorry, than an expandable, but there's nothing better for killing than a fixed blade. I do believe you there. It, you know, and everybody, in my opinion, and we just had this, I was talking to a hunter down south, or not a hunter, a tracker down south this past weekend. You know, it, I've also, from my experience in tracking, you know, everybody goes towards the shoulder. Well, you've got a lot of stuff up there. And if you can stay in between the legs, you're going to find the deer. You know, that's, you don't want to, that's not the best target, you know, that we've learned. But as far as what will kill a deer, it's not up front. It's you get in between the legs. It's going to die, in my opinion, if you're center, because uh, might take a dog. But that's you're going to hit the most vitals as long as you don't push him. Yeah, and you know if you and you said something at the beginning of uh, you love to track it. There are so many things that, like, if you talk to me, I'm going to beg you not to go track yourself. Just because of that was was my next question. (laughs) That's been our, that's been our golden question. We've been waiting to ask you. Yeah. Is there's two, two aspects to that. One, the worst thing I run into, or, and from me talking to other people, the worst thing we run into as trackers is deer that have been pushed. Um, there again, go to say a small piece of property you've slipped in there. Well, all you got to do is break a twig on a deer that's trying to survive and hurt. It's gone. It's leaving. And, if it's been hit, it doesn't even have to be fatal. It's going to go lay down because it's hurt. Nothing else is happening. They're not, you know, they get out of that shock of being hit. They're going to go 80 to 100 yards a lot of times and just lay down. So I expect to jump something if nobody's been in there. If a deer's alive and we say it does jump, it's going to jump pretty quick. Um, well, you know, that's when I get there. Well, if you've already been in there and we find a wound bed, guess what? That wound bed is where the deer was laying and you jumped it. You, the impatience part, and I, everybody deals with it, but that's the part that everybody, in my opinion, needs to control is just got to wait. I hear people, they go in there, they call us and then still go back in there. They're just rolling the dice on jumping the deer i tell some people the same thing but it's these dogs are you know i I talk about mine that's because i know mine there's a lot of good dogs everybody and and their dogs are different but as a whole jumping the deer is probably my worst thing that i run into and so they've pushed it and now we're dealing with a deer that's left the country because say for instance a gut shot that deer's not dying you know real quick so we've got to assess the situation we've got to wait it out we're waiting for the deer to die we're not waiting for anything else we're hoping the deer expires by the time we get there and we're just going to be able to find it and hopefully it's not just say that a gut shot it's it's not going to go over probably 100 150 yards and it's just going to lay down. And if water's nearby, that's another question we will ask. Where's the water? Because typically they're going to go to the water. 
And so we're asking all of that. Um, uh, I, I do the, I do the same thing. Like I last year in our lease, he's new to bow hunting. He shot his first deer. He's like, oh my gosh, I shot it. What do I do? I said, go to your truck and wait for me to get there. <laughs> do not go traipsing around if you don't know what you're doing. And mm-hmm. I, I can, I can imagine, I can understand what you're saying. And me, I mean, the people I know, I know it sounds a little extreme, but if the deer doesn't drop, just call me. Why? What are you hurting? I'm coming. That's right. <laughs> and we're going to, if it's an easy track, great. If it's a hard track, you need the dog anyway. And the success rate of dog versus man, uh, you don't even want to, you know, that, that's crazy. Not even comparable. Dogs can, can do so many more things. And especially with a dog like mine that she, you know, we'll sit in there and even on a live deer, a lot of times I'll, we'll jump. If, if they jump, we'll back off of it because she's not going to run one down. So I'll back off and let it lay for 15, 20 minutes and we'll start back trailing it and see how far it went. That, that second jump or the second time we put on it, that tells us how, how the bad the deer's hurt. So we just use different strategies and it's, it, you know, ends up if, and if the deer gets away with all the strategy, eh, it probably needs to live. You know, we're, we're not trying to catch live deer. (laughs) It's, it's, uh, but we can sure tell you what's going on to where you might jump a deer and not know it. And you'll never know this story to where the dog takes you right where the wound beds are lets you see exactly what's going on so even if it's not a total successful uh, track you know which ends up to be a recovery at least it tells you whether you need to sleep that night or not because you have a wounded deer sitting out there and you can't find it ricky i'm gonna ask one then i'll give you one okay okay all right <laughs> mr alf how far do you let camo get from you when you're tra- a little dog like that you know you don't want nothing bad happen to her how, how far does she get out ahead of you like when uh, you're on a trail i would say the can the, the the area we're in whether it's got hard roads or swamps that you know for instance like if we're up at okie finoki uh you're watching things a little closer so it's oh, probably yeah. more of hard roads. I don't want her out there dealing with a hard road without me being there. So I'll bring her back. But as far as just, if I've got plenty of woods and nothing stopping us, uh, I've got a, you know, probably 900 yards to a thousand yards on the GPS and you're going to lose signal. So I'm not going to, I'd say five, 600 yards because I don't want to get into that area where I can't pick her up. That's further than I would expect it. Um, not to put an omen on anything, but do you worry about slithering critters? I, I'm, this is a caveat, Ricky. I'll give you your question in a minute. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, you worry about them, but there's nothing you can do about it. Okay. Typical answer. Call, I like it. You know, some, you know, we've had one of the guys two years ago, his dog got hit with rattlesnake three times and died before he got it out of the woods. Jeez, um, so yeah, you worry about it, but what's the alternative? Not hunting or not tracking? Because you you're not there. You, I worry. <laughs> I run into them more than she does. I think. 
Well, it comes back to that dog's quality of life or quantity of life. That dog's out there doing it wants to do. It's uh, loving. It's loving every second. So really, you're giving it quality of life and just taking yeah. and taking the risk. That's good. And like if we're in an area where, say, gators or swamps, you know, I'm definitely going to be closer because I've got a usually handgun with me and I'll stay close with her or try to do something. Sometimes you just can't and you just deal with it. But um, that's when I, I get more nervous over the gators than I do the snakes. That was a one bite for them. Oh, yeah. yeah. She, she's a snack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and hard roads. I, I worry about hard roads. If I see her heading to one, I can control her so so well that it's you worry, but you control it. You know, if I see her, I had one last year to where we trailed one and she was headed to the road and I toned her back and she didn't come back and she started moving again. And I hit, I had to shock her to stop her. And just so happens, it was all a coincidence. I shocked her right when she found the deer and she just stopped. Well, when I got that, she didn't move but she didn't come back to me like she normally would. And the deer was laying there when I got there and we were 30 yards off of the hard road. And so, you know, you know, you've, you run across so many little different things, but you got to have a dog that will, that's trained well to where you can control those situations. That keeps a lot of your worries, you know, to a minimum. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to stress to, to folks about the gut shot thing, especially with new hunters, because, you know, usually when you gut shoot a deer, especially with an arrow, it's, it's pretty obvious. And nine times out of 10, I mean, I, I'm going off my experience that a deer is going to die. Uh, just the best thing you'd hope for at that point is it's staying in its first bed. Um, so, you know, I mean, would, would you agree? Gut shot deer, they're, yes. they're dying. It's just a matter of time. They're going to die. They're the easiest to find but the hardest to wait for because right. <laughs> you got to give them some time and you're, you know, everybody worries about the deer, the meat going bad. Well, it usually takes in 90 something degree weather, five hours once the deer dies. Well, but that's what you can't determine is when the deer died. So um, we had one yesterday down South that uh, bore that a new tracker and he called me and, uh, I think see, it was probably six or seven hours before he could even go. And it was a gut liver gut. And when he got there, the deer was still limp. The deer was still warm. So, you know, that five hours just started. Right. So you don't know when that deer is going to die and you, you just got to give it that time. Uh, that, and that's the hardest of it for any hunter is the wait. They can, they get so impatient. They can't stand it. And that makes it tough. I'm going to jump. I'm going to jump on that. Hold on. Rick. I, sorry, but the cold track, what, what is the, what's the longest cold track? Like, say i shot it yesterday morning and we couldn't find it i need you today you know when it comes uh, to that interdigital sit you're talking about how long can she smell it well well that question i don't know because i've never had her on one that she um 
couldn't oh. find it on that old 43 hours was the oldest she's done i've had yeah, a 30, that's what I was looking for. 37 hour and a 43 and she found both of them wow. so you know, obviously the meat wasn't good but they were both good bucks so the guy you know he he was turning he had never heard about us or he heard about the blood trailer network and thus he had never heard about us and he was they were just antler hunting at that point and we found both of them and it one was up there in four creeks that we were actually tracking for another guy and for his buddy and we jumped that deer and didn't get it and as we were walking back he asked me the same question how old can you trail and i said well i've had a 37 and she did it and he said we did a little counting and it was 43 hours he said i just shot one across the road and i believe it was a gut shot and he said we couldn't find it and i said well heck let's go we never even got in the truck just walked right across the road and went in the woods and hit it in 10 minutes she had it so folks um there are no deer in four creeks at all so don't even try to come there um there's no deer at all it's just hogs and mosquitoes so uh, it's quota anyway so i have to get lucky <laughs> but yeah i know those guys that you're talking about they're they're bragging about that yeah it so it so i would love to get on an older one i've just never put her on one older than that how far do you travel for for a track <laughs> Um, I think the farthest I've traveled is about five hours. Wow. What's, what's your rate just around about just cause so people are curious, you know, and obviously I'm going to tip heavily, but <laughs> you know, we don't, none of on the blood trailer network, we don't have a charge. I mean, obviously we, uh, love tips, um, right? especially nowadays is much as gas is but we don't charge that's that doesn't determine whether we're coming out or not that's awesome yeah. to know yeah last year when you couldn't get to me you're getting your puppy it was really but that girl that came she found him i think i had a hundred dollar bill in my pocket i threw it in her hand i like thank you so much she didn't have to come far she only came about 10 miles down the road but i was so grateful she did because i don't think we'd have found that deer honestly I, there was not a drop of blood and i will never shoot those bullets again <laughs> ever yeah. It, I mean, we're thankful for the tips. That's about it, but we're not going to charge. Uh, that's one of the rules on the pages. You can't charge. So that's, we, that's awesome, man. That's, I didn't know that. I think yeah. we got like a hundred last count was about 170 trackers in the state. So anywhere. And then there, and then there's Georgia. So same thing. Up there. I guess you get value out of being able to train your dog um live live training for your dog i guess is, is probably the attraction for the for the trailers trackers um yeah we're, we're just you know obviously we love the dogs and yeah it's well i have funner doing that than i do hunting so if you like hunting i like what i'm doing just as much or better that's and awesome so that's the other thing i hear a lot i didn't want to bother you well you traveled three hours to go hunting i like tracking as good as you do hunting so i don't bother me a bit and so we plus we do a lot of most of my traveling longer distances is usually for hunts that you know youth hunts or um wounded warrior hunts and stuff like that that we go and help them 
we'll go spend the weekend out on their hunts, just helping them find the wounded deer. And so it, it's awesome. That is awesome to know that you got such passion for. And it goes back to what I said earlier, man. Folks, you want somebody that has passion. You want somebody that loves what they're doing because the, their product's always going to be better. It's no, no different than owning a business. If you take care of your customer, your pay, I mean, your employee, they love their job, they're going to do a better job, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ricky, what you got? Uh, no, I was just going to add to that. Got, if, if you guys call one of these trackers out, you know, they're not asking for money, but, you know, take care of them. I guess they're, they're doing doing us all a favor by being so passionate about this and having great dogs and gas is expensive so just uh don't be cheap if they find your buck for you <laughs> hey and personally honestly i tip them if they don't because they just came out there and gave it their all and these guys will go all night long if they got a chance at it so folks don't be cheap take care of them take care of them um, we typically we're we're spending more time effort on the ones we don't find those are the ones you spend all the time on that's right, right. And it's, yeah. but it, um, and if I may add, going back to the stuff that we run into uh, with people trying to track, and then we're the last resort. I guarantee you, your success rate will switch if you change that and don't grid search, don't go in the woods, let the dogs have as clean an area to work with, because we've had it to where. I did one up in Georgia last year where the boy told me, you know, he didn't go after the deer in camo. She went off in the woods about 50 yards, came back, went over about 10 feet, went back down and went back. She did that three times. And I looked at him and I said, you walked over there, didn't you? Camo's telling your secrets. <laughs> and he, he kind of that sheepish look on his face and went, yep. And I said, what you did was you stepped on the trail and you just transferred that scent on the bottom of your feet and walked in them woods. And I said, she's following you right now. I said, she's going to figure it out. I said, but look at what it's doing to her and what it's doing to us trying to figure out what's going on. And we found it, but it creates those faults, scent trails. Gosh, she's so perceptive. I didn't know that. I mean, it, oh, that's yeah. that's incredible how well you read her and how well you know her. And it just, you know, I've had, and you can look at it on GPSs and it looked like spider webs. And I've had, I mean, you're right. She'll, she'll make a liar out of you. You <laughs> tell me you didn't go in the woods. I'm fixing to find out. Cause... Well, I promise you, I'll tell you the truth from now on, now that I know that. Well, it, and it changes the tactic. It might not mean that we're going to, you know, it might not make a big deal, but for instance, if you've got a contaminated area, uh, the first thing you do is you circle and you get outside the contaminated area and you make a circle to see if the deer's exited that area. So she'll pick it up rather than fighting with all the contamination. We'll just circle and go around it. I just, mm -hmm. so that, that just tells me I need to, to, to go to plan B, you know, because so I'm driving there way. under plan A. I'm, I'm thinking every minute we're going to attract, what am I going to do? You know, and do you get there or if somebody tells me they've grid searched it my, okay now i'm gonna switch and go how far did you grid search where did the deer go and we're gonna circle it if we circle it and the deer didn't exit it we know it's inside the circle okay so there's different tactics so we're 
you know, it's, you're just putting it into the formula and spitting out an answer. And depending on what you're inputting into that formula dictates your strategy. And so that's the type of stuff that saves time and stuff like that is just to be honest with us. If you did it, tell us, cause that changes what we do and you don't want to put the dog through it. It just wastes a lot of time. Um, so it just, those type things are in grid searching was the other thing earlier on the other question. That's, that's terrible. Yeah. That, that, is, that should be the last resort. That's right? desperation. Yeah. yeah. It, it just, to me, it's, that's impatience. And, you know, what does it matter if you find the deer quick or wait, do we get there? I guarantee you the success rate is going to be better when a dog shows up. Um, so I think a lot of people feel they're, they're imposing folks. And like he said earlier, and it, it opened my eyes, they love to do it. Give them a call. You know, you're not, you're not burdening them. They do it for a reason, you know? And we all have like, see, I know a handful of guys, we all got puppies we're bringing up because we don't want something to happen to our main dog and not be without a dog, you know, and be without a dog. So I've got another puppy coming up, same breed. Well, shoot, if it's an easy track, we'll put her on it. We love yeah. it. I mean, we're there's some usefulness to every track. And I'm afraid this podcast is costing me some money right now. <laughs> no, you're not allowed to get a dog now. Uh, that's what my <laughs> wife thinks. Little does she know I'm impulsive. I'm impatient and impulsive. I'll show up home one of things. <laughs> well, how many tracks does Camo have? Have you already mentioned that? Did I miss that? Uh, she's been. I'd have to look back. She's been over 400 tracks. She's found 200. Wow. We actually ended with the 200th track last year. I think I remember that post, actually. Yeah. And so. Ricky, you got anything? No, I just, that, that's incredible. Because like you said, it's kind of like with our job, people call us on their worst day. But uh, mm -hmm. there people are calling you on their worst shot, their worst track. So the fact that she's found that many, that's that's incredible. Yeah. Um, Ralph, do you want to um, give your number out on the air? Or do you want me to? Sure. Love to. Go uh, ahead and uh, tell us your your information there, folks. I promise you, if you're if you're in the Northeast Florida area and you want the best, call this man. Uh, it's well, my name's Ralph Bennett, and anytime she's on the. Uh, we, we call it camo track is hers and numbers 904-759-1487. Uh, if you see it on the blood trailer network, you know, obviously all of our phone numbers are on that. Uh, if you're in another area, just look at it per County and you can see, and it's not just Northeast Florida. We go to South, Southeast Georgia. Um, you know, if I know you, shoot, I'm, there's no telling where I'll go. So I hope you know me pretty well now, because that guy, I'm gonna use you. I'm going to Kentucky guys, in September. <laughs> yeah, I've had guys know that I'm in Illinois, and they'll call me because they're where I'll go. Obviously, there's short season up there, so we're all going at the same time. And I've had them call and shoot. And I've track up there. I don't care. Where do you hunt in Illinois? What county? Uh, uh, Williamson. Okay. In the southeast area. Okay. We hunt in Brown County in the west central area near Quincy, but I sure could have used the dog up there a few times. Man. Um, Ricky, do you have any more questions for him? 
Uh, no, we, I mean, we covered everything. I appreciate you coming on, Mr. Ralph, and uh, hopefully I don't need you, but if I do, I'll definitely be calling you. <laughs> it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Yeah, That's this, right. is, That's this right. has truly been an honor and a pleasure to have you on, man. I'm I'm excited to know that I'm like we are likely your your only podcast so far, and that's I hope we keep you in our pocket. <laughs> Love to do it anytime, and yeah, just call anytime. And like you know, if I can't go, I got somebody else that can. But we try to make it to anybody we know. Uh, Hoping so. to get my son's first archery deer this year. We got a little spot there behind the house, and we got some does coming in pretty regular, a little six point. So. I, we got a Raven um, crossbow and hopefully he can get him. Hopefully I won't need you then, but maybe. (laughs) This holler, we love doing it, especially for kids. Those those are about the funnest. That's exactly right. Well, folks, I hope you've enjoyed it as much as me and Ricky have. Um, This is Mr. Ralph Bennett. He's a legend and only going to grow in legend status. Um, We are from the woods and we are signing off. Thank you guys. Thank you. All right, folks, thanks for tuning in. Y'all stay with us. This train's going to keep on rolling. I promise you we're going to have some great episodes, some great guests. You're going to learn some stuff, and so are we. Thanks again.